Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good morning. I'm still not Dan Dockage, uh, but I'm happy to be here. And I think, folks, it's over. I think it's over. What am I talking about? The Jimmy Kimmel, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers feud. I think we might have reached the end of the public spat. I think we'll get into that. What we know we've reached the end of is, at least for now, the Mike Vrabel era in Tennessee. That is over. I I don't know many people who were not shocked by the fact that Mike Vrabel got fired yesterday from the Tennessee Titans after beating Jacksonville in the season-ending uh, game. I was surprised. What is the reason? Where does he go next? What does this mean for the Patriots? All of that coming up. Plus, one of the Patriots' biggest fans, Tyrus, is going to join us. We have an interesting case out of Illinois. There's a basketball player there. You've probably heard of this. He was accused, arrested, charged, and posted bail, accused of rape. But it hasn't been adjudicated. And this kid is kind of trying to <laughs> say to the University of Illinois, don't at me. You cannot keep me from playing basketball. I'm a senior. My career depends upon this. We've had a number of cases lately where... People get accused of things, and before it gets adjudicated, they're kind of assumed guilty before having to prove their innocence. What is with that? That's not the way it was supposed to work here in the good old United States of America, and yet that has been happening. We have a number of cases where athletes' careers, their livelihoods, have been impacted by this. So this is an interesting case to talk about. Did I mention that Tyrus was coming on? Yeah, he's got a book to plug, but also we're going to talk about Cat Williams I listened to the podcast last night, Club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp, with Cat Williams. This, you know, I, I was familiar with Cat Williams, but you listen to this guy for 90 minutes talk, because I think the ratio of Cat Williams to Shannon Sharp was about 15 to 1, maybe 20 to 1. So you get a lot of Cat Williams and not as much as Shannon Sharp, which quite frankly is the way it should be done when you do an interview. So it was enlightening. It was intriguing. If you didn't know about this guy's sort of personal background and beliefs before, you certainly know about them after hearing this. And and we're going to get into that with Tyrus as well because he's he he pals around with Cat Williams. So we'll get into that. Um, lots of stuff to get to. Let me let me start with this. I'm going to go a little bit out of order here because I want to talk about this women's sports thing guys, and I hope you'll roll with me. Last night, I drove a long way to watch my daughter play basketball. She's 15. She's a freshman. She plays varsity basketball, not because she's a phenom, but because the school is so small, they need every player they can get. So I go to watch these girls battle. Now, when the starting lineups came out, I turned to my husband and I said, we're about to get crushed, aren't we? And he goes, oh yeah, 
He said, but then they'll go to rolling clock in the second half. And so we'll be home in no time. <laughs> uh, it's been tough watching our little team. Um, they've got a couple of really good players, but they struggle because we've got two people on the bench generally. So you have these young ladies playing multiple minutes. But what it made me think about was, first of all, we battled hard. These girls played so hard and it was fun. They kept it a game. They actually kept it a game and we didn't get crushed and they didn't go to a running clock in the second half. But what it made me think about was this great opportunity to, I'm watching my daughter grow as a player, as a human being, as a leader, as a teammate, uh, with all these friends that she's made and watching her deal with differing opponents and manage relationships with coaches. And, you know, it was title nine that allowed all these young ladies to have a league of their own, if you will. And this is being encroached upon. And this is one of these topics in the culture wars that we're going to be dealing with. Sage Steele and I will talk more about this tomorrow when she joins us. But this notion that, like I tried to picture a boy who identifies as a girl coming into this basketball game and what that would mean to the rest of these young ladies. Um, one of my daughter's coaches is, is a guy who's a former player who they, they defend in practice. You know, they have to go against him. And my daughter, you know, she's like, this is an impossibility. You know, this guy never really played at a high level or anything like that, but she's like, this is impossible. What do you want me to do? I'm going to, I'm going to try to guard him in practice. I will, but what do you want me to do? So I, I'm thinking about this because we have another example and I'll get into this with Tyrus also of a women's sporting event, allowing transgender women. I know this gets confusing. Let's, let's start with the basics. If you are a transgender woman, that means you started your biological male who now identifies as a woman. If you're a transgender man, you were born biologically a woman and now you identify as a man. Live your life. I have no problem with that. The problem comes in when Leah Thomas first gets in the pool at UPenn and competes and takes podium spots away from young women. And this is what catapulted Riley Gaines into the national forefront. She's now pretty much a household name. It's that it's the unfairness of this. This doesn't have to do. I, I love this, how people just come right at you with, oh, you're transphobic. No, 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 no. Phobic means a fear of. I, I don't have a fear of anyone's gender identity. No fear. What I have a fear of is if we've created a space for women to compete and we've created teams that are uniquely female and we have women's locker rooms that are their space to be themselves. And now you introduce this idea that someone who now identifies as a woman but was born a male born with male chromosomes, et cetera, et cetera, now can compete against these young women? We all know, I mean, I think the vast majority of human life knows how crazy this is, how un, 
fair it is. And yet, and yet, here we are starting 2024, still having to deal with this. Still having to deal with organizations boxing that are saying, yeah, we're going to allow transgenders, transgender women to compete against women. So the story is this rock climbing association, and I'm going to find it here, USA Climbing. So back in, I think it was September, October, they decided they were going to allow transgender women, again, biological men, now identifying as women, to compete against women. I dare, dare I say real women? I probably shouldn't. To compete against biological women in rock climbing, in climbing. I want you to picture that for a minute. I want you to picture that. Because what we're talking about is men, you know, people born as males with the musculoskeletal assets that they have now saying, yeah, well, I did some hormone therapy and I, you know, I'm in, so I'm going to compete against women. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's silly. It's absurd. It's going to go into the history books, I hope. We talked about this earlier with some friends. Is history going to be written correctly? Someone's got to write this history correctly and call it out for what it is. It's it's bizarre. It's absurd that any woman, biological woman, should have to compete against a biological man. I don't care how they've transitioned. It's not fair. So this uh, this U.S. climbing now said they were going to allow this, but then they announced in November, you know what? We're going to think about this. We're going to delay our implementation of this new rule. We're going to delay this implementation. Now, granted, this was back on November 30th that they announced they're going to delay this implementation. They're going to open it up for public comment. And then they'll decide on January 14th, which by my watch is about four days from now, they're going to make a decision. So basically they got pushback and they've decided, you know what, maybe we better wait on this and give ourselves a chance to change our policy. So naturally Riley Gaines has been all over this and she tweeted about it saying the cowardice of this. And it is cowardice. It's cowardice to say, A, Oh, we better succumb. We better, you know, bow to the culture war of allowing transgender women into this sport. That was cowardice number one, not having a spine to defend the women who compete. Cowardice part two, as she points out, is, you know what? We're going to delay the implementation of that rule. We're going to open it up for public comment. And then on January 14th, we'll decide again. So Riley is taking this very public, even though this was announced, like I said, November 30th, but the deadline coming up. So of course, now this is generating a lot of buzz and Riley's not going to be quiet about this. <laughs> go Riley, go. Uh, we all stand, you know, those of us that stand with her are standing as loudly and as strongly with her as she is standing, but she is a tremendous voice on this because she was in the pool with Leah Thomas. She tied with Leah Thomas. And for the ceremony, Leah had to hold or got to hold the plaque or the trophy or whatever it was, not Riley. That was the photo op. Riley got her trophy later for tying. 
So this is where we are. And I'm hoping that we're at a tipping point now that because of the efforts of Riley and the outspokenness of all of us who agree with her, uh, some men too, um, I, I'm hoping that we're at a tipping point where organizations get enough pushback from the public to say that we're going to do more damage to ourselves than we are going to do good. And maybe we better listen a little bit more rather than just kind of go like this whenever we get pressured into doing something that, I'll use the word, the woke want us to do. Again, live your life, Dylan Mulvaney. Live your life. But when you start taking opportunities away from women, it's just wrong. Title IX was what was fought for over 50 years ago. It's why my daughter gets to play soccer and basketball today on this little team that struggles. It's it's why I got to grow up playing sports. And now you want to turn the clock back and say, you know, we're going to allow men, certain men, to, to come back in and, and compete against women. We're going to allow that. Because we're 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 we believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Except when it comes to young ladies who might be at the end of the bench who then lose their spot because a young man comes in and wants to take it from them. It's it's amazing. Whenever I talk about this, and I've had Riley on on my show multiple times, whenever I talk about this, I kind of fall into this sense of I can't believe I'm talking about this. Like nowhere in my life did I see this coming. It's crazy. All right. Yesterday we talked at length about the Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Kimmel feud. Cause it got pretty heated when Jimmy Kimmel uh, spent the vast majority of his monologue the other night, ripping Aaron Rodgers to shreds and ripping Aaron Rodgers for reasons that are so elitist that it's just sickening. And because they don't agree on everything politically, he tried to somehow connect Aaron Rodgers to conservatives, to the MAGA movement, MAGA, MAGA, you say tomato, I say tomato, to then ultimately Donald Trump. Well, it was just a matter of hours before Aaron Rodgers went back on the Pat McAfee show where this all, the nadir of this whole argument took place months ago. Um, you know. Jimmy Kimmel was one of those guys on late night TV. I think pretty much all of them did it. Certainly Stephen Colbert did it with his vaccine dance and, and, uh, and, and Jimmy Fallon did it. They all towed the line about everything we were told to do during the pandemic. And Aaron Rodgers did not tow that line. And he did misrepresent whether or not he had been vaccinated. But you know what, uh, in retrospect, some can now understand why. So that's where this all started. Then it turned into the Jeffrey Epstein documents and an, a little insinuation that someone who might be nervous about the list, the, the visitors list coming out would be Jimmy Kimmel. Well, Jimmy Kimmel went off, claimed he was basically being called a pedophile, which Aaron Rodgers never used that word. But I thought Aaron handled this well yesterday on the Pat McAfee show. I thought Aaron went back at him in a very reasoned, uh, he didn't cave in, um, and, and he didn't really lash out. He did a little at Kimmel. And 
quite frankly, Kimmel deserved it. So he basically says Kimmel took his comments out of context, which I agree with. Let's go to SOT1, uh, where, where Aaron contends that Jimmy Kimmel really took him too literally. Let's roll this. A lot of people, and I'm quoting myself here, a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't come out. End quote. That's what I said. That's the entire quote. I totally understand how serious an allegation of pedophilia would be. So for him to be upset about that, I get it. Did you watch the quote? Because that's exactly what I said. Verbatim what I said on the show. Okay? I'm not stupid enough, even though you think I'm an idiot, and you made a lot of comments about my intelligence, but I'm not stupid enough to accuse you of that with absolutely zero evidence. All right. That's fair enough by my book. Fair enough. I'm not stupid enough to use that that P word. And here's here's one of the things that Kimmel also said in his monologue that that I think it, it, it just made me shake my head. Because Aaron Rodgers made these comments about him, he said, my wife is gets asked about it. My kids get asked about it. The mailman gets asked about it. Kimmel. You're a late night talk show host. You are fair game in this world for jokes, for rumors, for gossip. That is what you sign up for when you become a star in Hollywood. Now, I understand, as Eric Aaron just said, and he understands, that this idea that he might have been on Epstein Island, this idea that he might be a pedophile, that's that's next level. And I get it. But Aaron's right. He never used those two terms. He never used the P word, as we're calling it now. He didn't use that. And so, and then Kimmel got all, you know, personal about his education and so forth. And as far as we can tell, uh, Kimmel did attend ASU, did attend UNLV, but didn't finish his degree until much later. I think 2013 went back to UNLV for his fun to finish up his college degree. So he's making fun of Aaron for not having graduated, for having gone to community college for two years. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh, how awful. You know, these this this elitism, these echelons. You went to community college, therefore you're not smart. I know a lot of really smart, wise people who never went to college. Sometimes I wish I hadn't wasted four years going to college. Sometimes, although there was a lot of good in there. But, uh, you know, this notion that you either went to, you either have a college education or you don't, and at what level or what institution you've gotten it from is so, that was just stupid. But as Aaron Rodgers said, Jimmy Kimmel's a comedian. It's part of his job. He can say and do those things. That's fine. So now here's where Aaron got a little more interesting and in-depth. He goes on to talk about the fact that Kimmel helped platform some misinformation during the pandemic. Now, let's caveat this. Let's say we're in the middle of the pandemic. We can all kind of think back to how scary it was, how much we wanted guidance, 
how much we needed to, you know, people wanted to follow the science, but people got religious about that too. People got religious about the science and sort of like you were either in one camp or another and there was no in between. That is that is so much of the problem. And I think that's what Aaron points out here is that you're, you either think in this one silo or you're stupid, ignorant, and the rest. And in fact, some of the stuff that was presented from this silo of experts and so forth didn't quite pan out. So here's Aaron going on about uh, about Jimmy Kimmel and maybe the way he presented some of the things during the pandemic. Let's roll it. He gave a platform to one of the biggest uh, spreaders of misinformation during the COVID times, Dr. Fauci. Um, so in my opinion, Jeez. you know, he ripped me about he ripped me about the vax, and and that turns out to be an L on, on many occasions because the vax was not safe and effective like we were told that it was in the beginning. Uh, there are a lot of injuries now that we've seen related to the vaccine. So in my opinion, you went after me. That's fine. You're a comedian. Go for it. Not offended, but that was an L. And when you play in the National Football League or you play any professional sport or you're competitive at all, it's about wins and losses, W's and L's. And so Rogers calls that an L for Jimmy Kimmel. Anyway, it, it, it all sort of seemed to wind down yesterday on the Pat McAfee show with Aaron concluding this way. Did he use the word I'm sorry or apologize? No. And I don't think he owed anyone an apology. Aaron Rodgers is allowed to speak his mind. When we start apologizing for everything, we take a step back and then we take another step back. And the next thing we know, we're just kowtowing to everyone. And there's no more courage of conviction. Because what Jimmy Kimmel's ilk does is calls you names, uh, tries to make you look stupid and unintelligent until you sort of go, oh, and you wither. And then you go, I'm sorry, Jimmy, I shouldn't have said that. You were right. I was wrong. I've been wrong about everything. Forgive me. And then you're, you just look like a weak, spineless idiot. And you can never really, it's very difficult to come back from that. So let's come full circle here because Riley Gaines is one of those people who will not do that. And neither will Aaron Rodgers. It takes courage to be able to sit in front of an audience, in front of Congress, in front of whomever, the press, and say what you believe when it doesn't go against what's in vogue. And by that, I mean like what's woke. If you if you don't agree with that and you don't toe the line, it takes courage to say it out loud. And a lot of people don't have that courage to say it out loud. Those two do. So we'll get into that with Tyrus. Um, on the courage scale with Tyrus, I would say he's way up there. All right, well, let's, before we go there, let's touch on Mike Vrabel, because this has a lot of interesting tentacles. Before yesterday, before Mike Vrabel was fired, there was discussion that the Titans might look to trade him, might look to get something in exchange, because he's considered a very 
highly valued coach in spite of their record this year. They had a rookie quarterback who they think has a lot of potential there. So why did they fire Mike Vrabel? Now, he'd been there six seasons. They wanted more. They expected more. They're hoping for more. And I and I talked with a source in Nashville last night and this morning who said that, you know, things just aren't happy about the organization right now, but that it may have less to do with personality clashes and more to just do with, we want a fresh start. We've got a new quarterback. We're excited about him. We want a fresh start. We got to move on from Mike Vrabel. But rather than look to trade him, as it was suggested they might, and get something in exchange, they decided, you know what? That will take too long. That's not going to serve our purposes. So no, we're not going to do that. We're going to set him free. Well, now what? Certainly Tennessee now needs a coach, but Mike Vrabel also will have a home somewhere. Where's it going to be? There's been speculation that he will go to the Patriots if Bill Belichick is decides to step down or has that decision made for him. It would be a very natural fit for Mike Vrabel, the former Patriot. So the uh, acting owner, I guess that's what we call her, um, She's an owner. She's she made the decision. Amy Adams Strunk detailed why they fired Vrabel instead of trading him. Here she is yesterday. Discussion in a lot of different circles about the possibility of trading the head coach. Was consideration given to trading Mike Vrabel? Well, yes, there was, but there's a bit of misconception about a coach's contract say versus a player's contract. A coach's contract, you can't trade them unless they're a willing partner to that trade. So yes, we thought about it, but at the end of the day, with league rules the way they are, it would have maybe put us back three weeks. And you know, honestly, to, to get the right head coach, I was just not willing to, to go to the back of the line and take a chance of missing out on someone we, we really well, that is an interesting bit of information. They want to get this done. They don't want to wait. They don't want to take the time to go through the trade, even though it may mean they get something in return. They 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 want opportunities. They want to have a chance at a head coach that they really covet. So Vrabel's out. It's a really interesting. A lot of people were shocked. This was not one of the moves we expected on Black Monday. And we got it, I guess, on Black Tuesday. Is that a thing? So that's that. Uh, there was some speculation that Vrabel and the new GM, who was hired a couple of years ago, Rand Carthon, did not get along. Uh, but Rand got up in front of the press yesterday and tried to suggest that that was not the case. Let's roll that tape. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank everybody for being here uh, this afternoon. Um, you know, obviously with the news uh, this morning, Ms. Amy um, informed Coach Vrabes that he would no longer be the head coach here. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank Vrabes for what he's done here the last uh, six years, uh, particularly the time that we've spent together. Um, you know, I want to thank Jen and Carter and Tyler for their sacrifices, um, for allowing him to put in the time that he put in here while here is our head coach. Um, also want to say, you know, I know there's been a lot of speculation over the last, you know, two, three months or whatever it's been about the nature of Mike and I's relationship. And I will say that Mike and I, we've never had any issue versus whether it's personal or professional. Uh, we worked well together. Um, 
and had a good relationship. Uh, we were in lockstep, uh, so I want to finally come out and you know dispel that. And uh, you know, I wish Vrabes you know nothing but the best. I uh, consider him a friend, and I feel like we'll be that way moving forward. And so, with that said, I open up for questions. Rand, you said. All right, so that pretty much clarifies that from his perspective. Now, whether Vrabel agrees with that or not, uh, we, we may never know. We may know much later. We we may never know. But the source I spoke to in Nashville suggested that was not the biggest problem, that that was kind of ancillary and that there are people just aren't happy with the way this season went. And, and you know, you can't really blame them. But over the course of six seasons, and the number of quarterbacks that Vrabel had to deal with, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it, he was challenged. He was challenged. There's a there's a lot he had. Look at the, the number of quarterbacks he went through. And still had a pretty decent record. Now, 6-11 and 11 this year was not going to do it. That's understandable. Um and they really like Will Levis in Nashville. That's one of the things that Amy said in her her interview there was they like their young new quarterback. They're ready to move forward with a, and she said not necessarily an offensive-minded coach. It could be a defensive-minded coach, as Vrabel was. But they're just ready to move on. It's always interesting to me. Owners say something. They say this. The people of Nashville deserve a champion. The people of Minnesota deserve a champion. The people of New York deserve a champion. Everyone deserves a champion. Now, you got to say that as an owner. And she said that yesterday. And she said that that's her vision. And that she and Rand have this vision of what they want. And they just want to pull the Band-Aid off and start fresh. So let's keep an eye on Tennessee. See what they do. And see how all of this impacts not only Vrabel and his future, he will have a job very soon. But also, what does it mean for Tyrus's favorite team, the New England Patriots? Still no news there about the future of Bill Belichick. Will we be getting that here in the next few days? We'll let Tyrus weigh in on that, on Cat Williams and his... <laughs> it's now gone viral all of his quotes from this interview from Club Shay Shay. We'll get, because Tyrus knows him. We'll get all into all of that stuff with Tyrus and that is coming up. Stick around, don't go anywhere. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Look, look who's here. It's Tyrus. How are you? What it is, lady. I'm, I'm great this morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So many reasons I wanted to have you on today. We'll get to Thank Bill you. Belichick. We'll get to the Patriots, your team. But this Cat Williams interview at Club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp uh, has gotten so much attention. So, and I know you, you know Cat. And so I thought, this is perfect timing. Let's get into this. Cat well, Williams, all, uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Club Shay Shay, how, how great is Shannon Sharp? <laughs> now, can I ask you before you, did you ever get a chance to interview? Because you interviewed everybody. Uh, you know, I think that I did. It would have been a long time ago because obviously he, he, you know, he's so much older than I am. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but the point <laughs> is, it would in his football prime, uh, I think I was at the tail end of that. But yes, it, no, he it's uh, it's a really good listen. And this interview in particular is really good. And they're what are they drinking, Tyrus? I I don't I don't drink hard liquor, so I don't. What are well, they drinking? It's a, it's a it's a liqueur. A uh, liqueur. We'll call it liqueur. We'll play. I just I thought uh, I didn't really like the way uh, you know I watched um, his show with um, what's his name? Uh, oh man, I'm not awake yet. I have had my my juice. Who's show? Ca- uh, Shannon show. Shannon, the oh, the, when he did that, like the the yeah. sports Skip, stuff, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Skip, Skip Bayless, I think, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm I, I didn't like the way that went down, but I thought he rebounded nicely. And then watching that interview, I don't think he anticipated that interview. I think he was physically uncomfortable at times because just the truth is funny. How much attention when someone just sits down and just tells some things that make people uncomfortable. The entertainment business is vicious. No kidding. No kidding. And it started really, Cat Williams, it sounds like, initiated wanting to go on Club Shay Shay, talk to Shannon Sharp, because other comedians had gone in there and said things that Cat Williams adamantly disagreed with. So what do you think was the first thing that Williams wanted to straighten out? I think, okay, here's the thing about Cat. Now, from a bodyguard's perspective, because when uh, I was around Cat Williams, I was Snoop's bodyguard. And just to give you a little background of the the type of man that he is. So bodyguards, we, you know, there's certain things I I don't, won't talk about because a bodyguard, you are watching people live their lives. That doesn't give you, and you get paid to protect them. That doesn't give you the right to tell their story. So, and I've always been pretty, I'll tell you, I always talk about certain things, but private things are are not for a bodyguard to discuss. I, you know, I always hate that when, when that trust is violated, but um, we, we compare, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, um, I did a tour with uh, Ice Cube and, and his bodyguard crew and mine. And we always ask like, what'd you get for Christmas? You know, like, you know, <laughs> things like that. And few, uh, he's another one of, uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for the, independent success that he's done you know whether it's music or or film but um you know his guys got they got catalogs for christmas and i was like what <laughs> and i and i went over to scoop i was like i got a starbucks card what what the <laughs> hell bro <laughs> you know it's it like we're always working you know i got you g i got you and uh i didn't get a cadillac but uh we had a steelers uh 
bet that he lost and he it was like for 500 bucks but his math wasn't always that great so that that 500 bucks lasted about two years oh so nice we do wherever we went somewhere he's like don't owe you like yeah i'll get one of those i'll get one of those so, <laughs> so it worked out so it wasn't Cadillac good but it was still cool but uh and then we started doing uh, some stuff uh he started working doing some stuff with cat williams first time we go to cat williams house now i'm bodyguard i come up and uh we're going and it's a beautiful house and uh there's a house off to the side and his people are like oh that's the security house i was like oh, what because most of the time, bodyguards, we sit in cars parked outside of homes, you know? So we don't get to go inside the house. We're outside dogs, you know? We're there to watch. And uh, well, Snoop would hang out in the, in the man cave so far, but it was small, not a lot of seats. And if you haven't noticed, I'm a large human being. So yeah. most of the time, uh, I would go just chill in the car because you want to catch them before they get to the house. That's why right. you sit up, right? Just to give right. you some background. And um, I go in there, and it's beautiful. TVs, little gym, refrigerator. I was like, this is the, this is, this is like, no, this is the bodyguard house. Wait a minute, what? You guys have furniture? And like, all, like this, <laughs> is, furniture. this is amazing. You're like, wow, you know, the guys. And uh, there's a knock at the door and I was standing closest to it. So I said, you want me to get that? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. And I opened the door and it's Cat Williams. And he has bags of barbecue food. And he's like, hey, I just want to make sure you guys had enough to eat. You guys, we ordered food. I want to make sure you guys, I mean, I'm not his bodyguard. I'm not, it's not my responsibility, his responsibility to feed me or the other bodyguard that was with uh, me and Snoop that day. And uh, I was like, wow, thanks, boss. And he's like, no, no, it's Cat. Like, he's just a generous dude. And it wasn't like a one-time thing. He had enough staff that he could have sent somebody down there to get us food. And like most, uh, being real, most celebrities wouldn't have gave anything, period. So uh, I was like impressed with him right away. And then he remembered your name. You know, again, something that most, unfortunately, people that are, are, are get to a successful level, they they got, and you've seen it. Yeah. They get that God complex or the, the big head or whatever. Or they sometimes even start talking to third person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you just deal with those, those type of egos. Yeah. And, uh, it was consistent every time we went there. It was, did you need anything? How are you doing? And I was just so impressed with, and it wasn't fake. He wasn't, he didn't need to do it. He didn't have to impress. He took care of his team really well. And then uh, just randomly a few months later during that time, I went to, because I was also teaching at that time. And uh, there was a, an event being held for the group homes. A lot of my students were in group homes. And some of the, some of the bad ones were, and I walked in and I was working uh, uh, detail. I think I was taking uh, Snoop's kids to this basketball um, charity event that was put on by Cat Williams. There was no press there. And it wasn't, it was the bad, it was the kids who don't have anything. Mm -hmm. It was the group home kids. And he's walking around, making sure everyone has what they need. And again, he wasn't doing it with a camera crew following him. Right. He wasn't advertising. So he was just, doing something for his community, especially a part of the community that never gets anything. Yeah. Everyone wants to, you know, go to a hospital and visit sick children, and we should, 1,000%. But then there's the lost kids, the yeah. kids with the behavioral problems and the group homes. And that's the group that they might cut a check, but they ain't showing up. Yeah. And he was there, and he wasn't there for 15 minutes. I think the event was probably 
six to eight hours of basketball and, and, and drills and stuff like that. He was there the entire time. And again, do you need anything? Do you have anything? So that's, and that's from a bodyguard straight up. We usually get the opposite reaction right. from celebrities. So that's just the type of dude he is. And he's always been the, every experience I have been with him. He, one, he always wants to feed you. Two, he asks how you're doing. And he's never disrespectful or talking sideways, um, which is rare. Yeah. So I think as long as you leave him alone, you keep his name out your mouth. He's a lot like me. If you don't, if you don't f with me, I won't f with you. Right. So, and I think they're taking these shots at him. Uh, and Ice Cube gets them too. And the reason why, and the reason why I, I admire them both so much is that they're they're self made, mm-hmm. and there's something about being self-made in entertainment that makes you a mark it just they 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 go at you because we should talk about ice cube in terms the same we talk about a quincy jones or we talk about somebody of a mainstream director this is a, this is a kid who who started a rap movement yeah. nwa gangster whatever you want to call it the way rap is today cube was responsible for that he never signed with he was, it was NWA featuring Ice Cube. He never went the route. His movies, he came out of his own pocket. You know what I'm saying? Like, he built the whole thing. Right. And he was never, they could never take it away from him. So, so why do they want to target that? Because I think it bothers them. And we deal with it. We deal, there's plant, plants is not, it's not a black thing. And that, that's what's bothering me because it's on all let, levels. Let's explain this real quick. So, so. In the interview with with Shannon Sharp, Cat talks about plants. What what does he mean by plants in Hollywood or in the comedy the world? It's just you're chosen for whatever reason. The producers like you, the guys who cut the checks, they look at you, and we always have a saying in wrestling: you're wrestling for an audience of one. If if Vince likes it, you're going to go far. If Vince likes you and maybe the audience isn't connecting with you, but the boss likes you, you're going to go far. Okay. You know, and, um, and it's not in it. And we see it in all forms of things, but what bothers me is certain guys who get picked or chosen. And again, I'm not just, Hey, if you got the look and they want to put the money behind you, you do you like, Hey, I, you can't get mad at that. Right. I've always been a guy has to do it myself and just not pretty enough, but I'm fine with that. And, um, I think you're gorgeous, but keep going. Oh, well, thank you. And we also know you need glasses. So, <laughs> sorry. But, uh, and then they get to a point in their career where they have to maintain it. And maybe they've lost a little flavor. So instead of like reinventing themselves or, or doing the work, they start plucking from guys coming up. And we saw that a lot with, um, the Steve Harvey stuff. And Steve Harvey's always kind of had a reputation. Um, he's up there with like Ellen DeGeneres in terms of how he treats staff and stuff. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's just not, not a know, good comparison. A real, yeah. I've never, yeah, I've been in a room with him a few times as a bodyguard. I never said a word to him. He never said a word to me. And he didn't have to, but it's just the, the, the thing around him, you know, it's just the, he's, you know, he is what he is and he's an institution and he's, he's made his mark and, you know, he loses a show, he gets another show because the people that cut the checks think that he can make them money. 
and yeah. they can make money off him. So he'll always have a job. So you can't be mad at Steve Harvey for that, but you can be mad at, you cannot like the behavior towards the guys coming up and they want to protect that spot. So hard that they go hard and they steal, you know, the, the taking a guy's joke. And we know so we they actually the go and from. they watch these up and comers. I I'm oh. sorry to interrupt you. They go and they watch them and they pluck the best stuff to try to a advance their own careers or keep them relevant. And B it's got to hurt the guy coming up, right? We should. Why aren't we still talking about Mark Curry? Hang on. Mr. Cooper was hilarious. If you've ever seen his stand up at any time, that brother's funny. Uh, myself as a stand-up comedian, I, if I see people in the audience that over the phone or whatever, I'll just stop the joke. I'm like, I don't want to lose my stuff, you know, because uh, that's tough. You work hard, and and it's but we see it in the music industry, yeah. you know, so a writer writes a song and an established artist take it from Elvis's half his catalog is somebody else's. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like there's a place for it. Uh, it happens all the time in, in entertainment, but it just it feels like with 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 what Cat was doing was he was speaking on what is facts you can't make you he's not making this up the tapes don't lie uh there was another time that i remember the bodyguard world again it was a situation with the hollywood bowl with cat williams and steve harvey where steve harvey was doing the hollywood bowl and he wasn't selling a lot of tickets i think he was like at 20 percent or 30 percent or something like that at the time that was the word on the street and uh he got cat to do the show with him and guess what they sold out but instead of, you know, 50-50 split or 60-40 split, I think it was like 80-20 or 70-30. Hmm. Even though the ticket sales went up when cat was added. So if, if best case scenario, you at least give the brother 40. But Steve wouldn't do that. So which led to him roasting Steve in the Hollywood Bowl before he came out. And Steve couldn't hear him because he was in the green room. So he had no idea that that cat was, was tearing him up. And I remember... Uh, we were we got the video and it was you know we were, it was pretty funny it was hilarious he didn't even know he was getting roped so but it's just it goes back to that thing where they want to assassinate his character instead of just saying this ugly side of the business but then again if you're admitting that you're stealing guys materials and in some cases costing guys careers because once they know you and them are not going to get along anymore yeah. So if yeah. and you're an established star, and we'll just, and again, we'll use Steve Harvey just because we just mentioned him. Let's say Steve Steve Harvey is the number one hottest comedian in the country, and he's on everything. And they're like, "Hey, we want to bring Mark Curry on one of your episodes," and he's going, "What's he going to say?" No, hmm. he's hard to work with. I don't like yeah. him. That's too bad. You know, and then it just and it just spreads, and then all of a sudden, all you're really guilty of is having a funny ass joke. And now you can't get any work because you're a threat because you might, you know, and, and all cat did was, is what we call, he came, he had come into Jesus at Shannon Hart, at Shannon's show. And he told the truth. And again, some things you can just listen, the, the dress thing, you can make it look that way. But again, that's not a black thing either. Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire, John yeah. Candy, you know, like it seems to be a comedian thing. Yeah, he you know, was talking the, the about list. how certain certain comedians they really should only do roles in a dress, and right, and, and that's that's his opinion. Yeah, and he's throwing, he's you know, and he's you know, Tyler. Hey, I don't. Medea's funny as hell. Yes. Um, hey, hey, you can say what you want, but it's funny. 
Uh, he's and he wouldn't be where he was if he wasn't funny and talented. The problem is, I think today it's become such a, a issue on social media with you know the the gender roles and the, oh, the yeah. of men. So I think it, I think being put in a dress now is a little it's more political than it is the art form. Yeah, because yep. if you would offer me the role of Mrs. Doubtfire. Guess what? She wouldn't have had an Irish accent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and it's a uh, performance. You know? So I yeah. think, I think with that, I would, I would disagree in terms of just because you're playing a role. Now, sometimes it is to check you. You know, like, hey, we're gonna put you a dress, and I, I, I experienced that in a movie. So I was in a movie with uh, Mike Epps, and Mike Epps is a cool brother. It was me, uh, John Malkovich, Mike Epps, uh, Russell Peters, and um, uh, the movie's called Supercon. And uh, the director decided one day, and I was Mike Epps' brother-in-law, head of security, and Mike Epps is a shady uh, Comic-Con dealer. And um, he decided, like, pulled me aside with a smile on his face before we get ready to go on a set. And he's like, hey, I, I got an idea. I think you should be gay. I think your character should be gay. And I went, okay, what will I do different? I don't have a love scene. So <laughs> what would I be do different? I'm still going to kick their ass the same. Yeah. You know, like, and he just stared at me. He's like, well, I, I guess you wouldn't do anything different. I said, yeah, why would I? Because it's not, you know, there's nothing about my character that says I'm straight either. I'm, you know, yeah. so... My biggest character's biggest issue was I was accused of, of missing a leg day. And I freaked out because the lady said Lou Ferragno instead of Ferrigno, and I threw her out of <laughs> Supercon. So, uh, but when they do that, there's that moment of why are you asking me that? Like, why do I have to do that? Right. And then if I was going to all of a sudden do the stereotypical gay behavior, you know, like, because uh, none of my... The friends that I have that happen to be gay, they're not feminine. Right. You know what I'm saying? They power lifters and they're 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 alpha men. They just date men. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's yeah. not always like the hand to the side, like all the stuff that the list, like that's a stereotype. That's like telling yeah. someone, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you be black? And they'll be like, okay, boss, how's this? You know what I'm saying? Like no one would be good with that. So I understand that there comes, and I was just like, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And um, I think what Kat, is most famous for is that he has a line. He has a line of integrity. Whether you agree with him or not agree with him, if you say, oh, wearing a dress is just part of show business. But his line is, I don't do that. Mm -hmm. And those are his reasons. And I think a lot of it has to do with his religious beliefs, but yeah. that's where he's at with his performance. And he won't cross that line. Yeah. So, and others will without even thinking about it. So to them, it's not a big deal. To him, it's a big deal. So that's more of a personal argument that you could go back and forth at. But in terms of like guys stealing from young talent or or doing things to try to undermine, you know, going after Bernie Sanders, go, I mean, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Mac, going after Bernie Mac uh, for Ocean's Eleven, all that stuff is part of the, unfortunately, the ugly part of the game. There are no friends in show business, unfortunately. It's 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 becoming pretty evident. I mean, it's pretty rare when there are friends. But do you think he 
overall cat williams by doing this interview and by being so forthright and apparently there's a part two that's coming out um or may have gonna be a part 47 this is part 47 okay so (laughs) no i'm saying there's gonna be a part 47 Shannon's, yeah, he's going to run this till ever. Till the cows come home. I got you. He's just yeah. going to keep going with it. And why not? I mean, that's smart. Um, but do you think helped or hurt his overall image in this? Now, Ice Cube, I don't know if you saw his post. He did like an Instagram post. He came across, he almost looked tortured that he was having to defend one thing or another or try to explain right. what was true and what was not true. And I felt for him because it seems so authentically painful for him to have to do this. Because I think Cube is like, he created an iconic movie with little or no budget. He was going to pay for it all on his own pocket. Uh, A movie studio stepped in and said, we'll do it. It was his creation. He He brought Black comedians and actors together that normally wouldn't have got opportunities or at least in that particular genre. He made people iconic you know and chris tucker's known for being smoky and then you know and which led to his his big rise in his career he's he's making videos with michael jackson he's doing movies with jackie chen guys if you did friday there was a rocket on your back mm-hmm. everybody was getting work from that from that movie and i think one he doesn't get credit as a director he doesn't get credit right, right. As a movie maker he doesn't get credit as one of the greatest lyricists in, in the history of, of rap music because why he's independent and he does it and he made his, his own movie studio which means he keeps his own profits which also means he keeps his failures and he can celebrate his successes and it's not based off somebody like ice cube never had to be on the casting couch right <laughs> you know what i'm saying so yeah i think, yeah. That, I think that's where the frustration is is like friday was such a a fun movie for so many people and it was like it was it was also the first time like you got to make jokes about weed you got to make jokes about people in that uh during that genre and during that era and you see a lot of people that are that are that got that platform and things didn't work out for them and you see them now and they want to throw shade and i should have been this and i should have been that but you weren't yeah. You weren't, you know, and it's like, I, I should have been world heavyweight champion, but <laughs> I, I was with the NWA, but Vince changed his mind. So, you know, so should I focus on what I didn't have? And I think that was more of his message, but I also think Cat was just tired of the shit. I think he's yeah. just tired because yeah, we he, get that way. We all deal with plants. We got plants everywhere. Yeah. And when they steal stories, I think that's the real issue. When they, when they're, when someone actually was homeless, when someone actually didn't have things, when they fought and scratched and and worked at Arby's for six minutes, like I did, or whatever, and did the things they had to do, and they get to a position, and then somebody tells your story as their story, uh, it is frustrating, yeah. and they kind of get away with it. Well, he didn't let him get away with it. Um, he, no, he he went full bore and. Uh, he had some interesting descriptives for the way that he fights back uh, at the end of that podcast. It's really interesting to listen to. You certainly are self-made and you have another book. Enough yep. said. I, I talked to you after the first book, which I loved. I loved it. And I think, and I, I, I hope a lot of people who haven't yet read the first one will read it and then go get the second one. Um, what is the nuts and bolts of the second book, Tyrus? So the first book was, 
basically an owner's guide and how I think and where I came from. Mm-hmm. So you get an idea of where I get, you know, because I'm apparently famous for common sense, which is like being a C student. <laughs> you know, it's like common. But uh, the first book was just an introduction to who I am and how mm-hmm. I think. And, and um, sometimes, you know, like what gives him the right to speak on things and like life experience. Yeah. I speak on my life. And that's, you know, uh, and then the second book is I take, now that you know me, here is 13 relevant subjects of today. Here's the experiences that I've had where I've been involved in that situation. And then here's my take on it. And then at the end, the, the, at the end of it, then I throw it to you. What do you think about it? So, okay. um, and like probably the one, the one thing that I got a lot of, uh, that I thought was going to be more controversial, but sometimes when you explain things and you tell the truth, it's not, people can digest it more because we got into like a perfect sidebar, perfect example. Um, the, the George Floyd thing, the court thing, and you were on Gutfeld and it got all kinds of attention because you were on Gutfeld and we're talking about the fall of Minneapolis documentary. And uh, I was like, I haven't watched it. Nothing's changed my mind to watch it. And you said to me as one adult to another, Tyrus, I'm asking you take a look. And I said to you, I will watch it for you. I will watch it for you. And I came back and watched it from start to finish and that courtroom and whether we can argue all day about the, the situation that happened with George Floyd is tragic, no matter how you put it. But what happened in that courtroom was a disgrace. And and I don't care whether you hate the police or love the police or hate individuals or what. Everyone should have a fair trial in this country. Yeah. yeah. And that and that was the thing. They could have been guilty as hell, right? And every and should have and could be in jail right now for the same amount of years. But when you deny their rights. And you deny them the, the ability, just the, the book alone on the whole would have changed a lot of, it would have calmed a lot of things down. They made things worse Yeah. because most of us don't know what a police hold is unless we've been on the end of one. And I talk about that in my book. And so when they see what was happening, they're thinking they're just freelancing. Yeah. You know, and then when you see the pictures in the training manual mm-hmm. of that particular takedown, they did it by the book. Does it mean it's right? No, but it could have been, you know what? We need to change the way that we do things, mm-hmm. but nothing that they do is going to be changed because you just threw these, these men to slaughter. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're the bad cops. They're the problem. Yeah. So, and then you appeased everybody, but you're not really fixing the problem. If that restraint if that holding a guy down is causing people to die or respiratory problems or whatever, shouldn't we be looking at that training manual? Right. You know, should instead it's no, 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 we need the political narrative to take down the police officers because right. they're the problem. They're not the problem. It's society. That's the problem. Uh, and, and the way that we do things and you rather have a fixed deck yeah. than have your day and to yeah. tie together, uh, cat women doesn't play with a fixed deck. You don't play with it. Fixed that. Like you said straight up, you said, I'm not gonna argue with Tyrus. Just check it out. Tell me what yeah. you think. And you were, and I went on Twitter and I said, You were boss lady was right. I watched it. <laughs> and uh yeah, I got some questions. And this, and 
I doesn't change what, you know, the other stuff about, you know, George is he didn't ask to be a martyr. He was made a martyr. But yeah. a lot of it, if we looked at it, uh, we I think the reaction would have been a lot different if it wasn't so one sided to, yeah. it, it, to basically feed. They fed those police officers to the mob instead of actually having a trial where we all could look and see, ask questions. And it, if the outcome was different, we might. The thing is, like, being afraid of the truth seems to be a real problem in this country. And I think that's the reason why the Cat William things is so big is because when someone tells the truth, instead of arguing the truth or saying, look, at the time, would it have been so bad at the time, man? I went to your show. I thought it was hilarious. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to play with that. I'm going to steal a little bit of that. And uh, yeah, I used part of his joke because I thought it was funny at the time and I changed it. And uh, looking back on it, probably wasn't the best thing to do. What would have been wrong with that? Yeah. Who would have had a problem with that? But instead it's like, oh, he's jealous. You know, oh, yeah. I didn't do this and that. And I think that's the part that like just, because that's the way everyone does now. When you confront people with truths, they counter with feelings and feelings. And, and name calling and a lot yeah. of name calling to try to get you to shut up, you know, to try to get you to back down, quiet down, because God forbid you call me a white supremacist, a racist, a homophobe, a transphobe, whatever. Um, so, you know, it, it was a fascinating interview. Getting back to Kat, you are a fascinating interview. It's, I can't go ahead. I was going to say, you know, or where you and I are sitting here talking, because I'm thinking about when you, I hate using the word transition now, but when you went from sports <laughs> to this, you caught hell. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it was in their feelings. And I'm starting to believe feelings are just fancy lies now. Yeah. Feelings are lies you tell yourself to feel better. Yeah. And, well, that's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah. And fancy uh, lies. Yeah. And, and cat don't do fancy lies. And he's not alone. You know, I don't, and I think that's where I was like, more people like myself when they see someone who steps forward. Because uh, here's the thing: if Cat would have not had so many lines, more he'd probably be a household name. Yeah. But you know what? He's all, but he is so successful, and he's helped so many people. And you rarely hear things about people who work for him that were like, "Oh man, that guy was a nightmare." Like I said, the only guy that was that was straight cool was, I mean, Prince was just, Prince is Prince. I mean, Prince is cool. I got lucky. Snoop was a great boss. Yeah. You know, uh, Ice Cube was a diehard Laker fan. I'm a Celtic fan, so that wasn't going to work. Yeah, that's words too bad. Because, but Snoop would let me be me because I wasn't interested in being him. When yeah. we went to the Staples Center uh, for Laker games, my, when Celtics played the Lakers, and he's like, I'm bringing, I'm bringing G with me. And I had my Celtic jacket on. Like, oh, let's go. You know, let's go, Rondo. Let's go, See, Paul. Let's that's that's real. That's real. And 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 we're just not real enough. And you're right. People tell themselves lies to make themselves feel better. It's the virtue signaling. It's the whatever. I, just, I, I remember when you were coming on Gutfeld and I was looking at like, what is she doing? Like, she had a great career in sports. She's thrown it all away because you had a calling. Yeah. Honestly, you had you. You have interviewed everyone you were an institution at what you did and you decided you know what i'm sitting on top of this mountain but i also have a voice and i also yeah. don't like what i'm seeing and i'm going to go to this next mountain and start climbing it and everyone was mad at you for what 
I, I, you know, well, they did, they decided to call me names and think that because oh, I was, it was awful. You know, I was it like, was, yeah, is- it was awful. It was, but you know what? It's made me stronger. It's, it sharpens yeah. your iron. You know that it, it makes you yeah. tougher. And I, and the, we need more examples of people who don't care. Like cat doesn't care. You don't care. Uh, what people say about you. Aaron Rodgers doesn't care. I don't care what you think about these people, but they don't kowtow. They don't just say, okay, you can bully me into the corner. I'll apologize till the cows come home so that I don't get hurt anymore. Uh, We need courage. We need courage as a society. We need it going on. We got stuff, you know, shit hit, excuse me, hitting the fan everywhere. I probably have to have that bleeped out. Sorry, guys. But it's it's hitting the fan everywhere and not enough people standing up to say enough. And I and I love that you try to empower people to do that. You say to people, you say to white people, would you stop backing down yeah, because you're made to yeah. feel guilty about everything? About stuff you weren't even on the planet for. Exactly. And to be honest with you, you know, the whole oppressive slave thing, you're white now. You might not have been white back then. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? If you got curly hair, check your tree. You know, there's a good chance you're white now. You could have been black then, and vice versa. Oh, you know, that's, uh, that is perfect. All right, before we let you go, my friend, um, you are a diehard Patriots fan. This is the part of the interview that I was worried about because it's such a it's a, such a bad marriage. So let's just get into it. This All is right. this is tougher than Will. And Jada Smith, what we're about to talk about here is okay. Belichick. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna put. I'm gonna. You're gonna be I, honest. You gotta do what you gotta do. What I'm and what I gotta do is I gotta ask you. Do you want as a fan? Would you like to see Bill Belichick step aside and have a change take place, or would you like yes. to see him press on? No, I, he uh, Washington's got an opening. <laughs> uh, Nashville's got an opening. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I wouldn't mind seeing Chargers have up. an opening. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta has an opening. No, I don't want him to go to the Chargers because oh. I don't want him to have another quarterback to carry the way. Aha. Uh-huh. So okay. here's the thing. Like when the divorce happened, when when uh, when Father Tom left home and he moved to Florida and started dating that that pirate lady um, and he won another Super Bowl with yeah. a team that couldn't make the playoffs prior year before. Yeah. That told me all I needed to know in terms of whom was responsible for the success of the Patriots. And I look, and if you look at, and again, no, Bill's resume, when he was with the Browns, it was okay. When he was with the Jets, it was okay. Uh, when he got to New England, he had Bledsoe, and then lo and behold, this little man from Michigan that no one thought anything of uh, got an opportunity and I never liked the way he treated Bledsoe. Uh, He seemed to have, he always seemed to treat veterans very disrespectful. I remember Seymour, best in the game. uh, Yep. Let him go. Every bit of a, of a raise. Oh no, we're not going to pay you. We're going to send you to the Raiders. Yep. Uh, every time a, a running back has a great season, uh, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna move on. Oh, and I think it. it was that arrogance of the Tom Brady can do anything with anyone type thing uh, that he was able to. I, I just don't like the way he treated the players. Okay. I just felt like you know, and then you know they'd be like, "Oh, the Patriot way, the Patriot way." I think it was the Brady way, you know, just because when you have great coaching, like like the Steelers. 
right? Mike Tomlin is a great coach. Yes, he is. Because no matter man. what, no matter what, they're 500. And with guys that you would not notice off the street at quarterback, couldn't remember their names to save your life. Yeah. But they're always kind of in it because it's, it's coaching, discipline. His guys are in shape. His guys want to play for him. So, um, and then Belichick is just, with Brady left, and there was things before that. I didn't like the Garoppolo thing where he was trying to sneaking, you know, move on from Brady. You don't move on from a guy like Brady. Miami didn't move on from Dan Marino. You know what I'm saying? Like, so. Unless you've end, got Steve Young behind Joe Montana, you don't move on. Unless you've got Aaron Rodgers yeah. behind Brett Favre, you don't move on. Yeah, or now we're finding out where you got love behind Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You don't move yeah. on. But yeah. at the at the same time, it's just I even this year, it just seemed like, and again, I'm not a big fan of nepotism. You know, I don't think his son was that qualified to be running a defense. You know, I just didn't I wasn't I wasn't, you know, they've the one thing and his draft picks can't draft a wide receiver to save his life. Um and Everyone we passed on ended up being all-star. Get a shot at Jefferson. Get a shot at Smith. These guys were just out there. Like, no, 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 I don't need them. Um, Now, he has said, Tyrus, Belichick said in his Monday press conference, he would be willing to step aside from the GM kind of talent decisions if that's what it would take to make the team better. Would that be acceptable to you, or is it just time for a clean No, break? it's time for the divorce, okay? Okay. you got to go. He, he's really going to step away. The guy's been running it his yeah. way for, what, decade and a half? Yeah, long time. Some, yeah, some, or longer than that, some GM's going to come in and tell him. It's and he's a gonna good be like, point. That's a really good point. Who's going to, yeah, who's going to who's who's gonna gonna do tell that? Him. Yeah. You know, he's going to say, I want this guy. And he's like, well, we really got our – Heart set on, you know, we got a good shot at Harrison. No, 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 no. I, I saw this guy in NC State. He can really catch. And, and we and then we miss out on maybe a generational wide receiver. Although, I, I don't know. I, I think we need a quarterback. I don't know if we need a quarterback. Definitely know we need a wide receiver and a tackle. But they just, it's just, you get disappointed. They trade the draft picks around like they're nothing. They make weird, he makes weird draft decisions, weird hire decisions. Well, so now there was talk that maybe, you know, this Vrabel thing now is happening. Would you like to see Mike Vrabel? Would, yeah. You would. I think I think that I think Tennessee made a mistake. I think Vrabel's great. I, do too. I, do I think too. if they didn't have them, they wouldn't be with the situation they're in. They had a lot of injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Um they're always tough. They're they're always kind of in the mix. Yep. Uh, it's been their down seasons are still seven win seasons, yeah. eight win seasons. It's not like they're having two and threes, you know. Uh so, but to me, that would that would make sense. Or you just go a completely different direction. But I think uh, I think the crafts you either replace him or you keep him. But you can't ask him to not be the GM or the president of operations because there's who in the blue hell are you going to get to come in that's going to be able to tell him anything? Right, right. You know, and the players are going to be like, what? Well, Coach Belichick said this, and if you don't think that's, you don't talk about plan. You yeah. <laughs> talk about, <laughs> you know, uh, Bill, Bill Belichick could cut you in a minute. So, uh, all like right. I said, but, but I'll just let me just say this: as a Patriots fan, we have been spoiled. 
Okay. I grew up, Irvin Fryer got the steak knife in his hand. We got murdered by the bears. And that was as close to greatness as we were going to get. Poor Eason and Gogan running for their lives. Um, and that's what we were, that's what I was used to. My team getting obliterated every week. Uh, so for the have the run, the Super Bowls and stuff, New England could not win another game for the rest of the time I'm on this planet. I'm still good. Yeah. Because I was my you've team had was an embarrassment of riches. Your cup yeah. overfloweth in terms of the yes, but I mean, like a Miami Dolphin fan. I mean, imagine how terrible that is. You know, like my entire life not even seeing the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like so, yep. you know. So we got it. We got it. Free and yes, I threw shade at Miami. I will always throw shade, and the Bills <laughs> will always be the Bills. Uh, care how they do it, it's going to be wide right every time with the Bills. Uh, I, I love the little Buffalo Bill fans getting all excited. Oh, we got it. You know, he's going to throw a pick in the end zone. And that's <laughs> the way it is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, as a, as a Patriot fan, I think we just need to start over. Just, All right. Well, you know what? 2024 has just begun. Maybe this is what's going to happen to the Patriots. You've got the book out. Enough said. Tyrus, get the first one. Read it so you're ready for the second one. Uh, go or it's it's a pre-order right now. Yeah. No, no, it's out. It's been out. Oh, it's We're out. Sellers list. Uh, we, Thanks for my copy in the mail. Well, I'm I kidding. See you. So uh, I'll pay. No, 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 no. I'm going to pay for one because I want to no. support the book. I, I'm paying for one. I'm, okay. I, it's going to be too late, Tyrus. I'm going to buy it today and you won't have time to give me one. The good thing is, is that all the uh, reviews have been very powerful. And uh, I'm always told one thing. It's very quick. Read with me. And that's and, and that's probably the best compliment. It's like I read it. I read it in the day. You know, I, yeah. I just sat down, I got up in it, and I just knocked it out. And uh, yep. first book, you know, we we sold we've sold almost I don't know two hundred thousand at this point. That's Second awesome. book, we're we're just blowing it away. So, um, and it's a fun process writing a book. It takes a lot of time and energy. Um, I got a great writing coach, uh, who because that's the tough part is yeah you know the ghostwriter shit. Don't do it because your story is going to be off. No one can tell your story with you. If it's a, I always said, if I couldn't write it, then there's no point in me being a trying to be a writer. Yeah. You know, because I've I've had, oh, you know, just put your name on this and we'll put it out there. And like that's disingenuous. And I know it's an easy paycheck, but uh, I just it goes against everything I stand for. So I have my made. Self made. Another self made man. Don't tell me it doesn't happen because it happens a lot. Well, and I've been fired enough to prove it. Yeah. Amen, brother. Uh, always great to see you. I'll see you in, in New York later in the month. And uh, and enough said is the book. And uh, he is Tyrus, the one and only. Thanks, man. No, thank you. Always a pleasure. Likewise. Love that man. Love Tyrus. He is common sense uh, personified. Get the book, get the first one and then get the second one. Get them both. You'll go through them in, before the weekend's out. Uh, before we go. Um, I, I, I want to get to this stuff about California. Joe Rogan has an, a, speaking of podcasts, a podcast he had on the Yellowstone creator, Taylor Sheridan, and they talked about California. And, and this is something, this is before we go, because I want you to think, I love it when we think. And what gives me hope is that people are seeing what happens when you run a state into the ground. I can speak from experience because I was born and raised in California. So was my mom. 
My dad wasn't born there, but he was raised there. They are both Northern Bay Area kids. They moved to the Southern California where I and my three siblings were raised. And it was a great life. And it's called the Golden State for a reason. But the Golden State is very tarnished right now. And it's due to a bunch of lame policies. Speaking of, <laughs> I use the word lame, which I was told is politically incorrect because that refers to someone who can't walk properly. Uh, so let me try this. Um, terrible policies. Uh, Gavin Newsom's currently in Mexico, at least he was yesterday, with Bill Clinton palling around at the Four Seasons. That's a good way to run the state as, you know, things are going to hell in a handbasket. So Joe Rogan had Taylor Sheridan, the creator of Yellowstone, on his show. And they talked about it, it's the part about this is discouraging. Well, I'll let you listen to it. This sort of summation of how to fix what was once to me the greatest state in America. Let's roll this sound. Problem is, it's just, boy, you're dealing with so many people. That's the problem. Like, like if you wanted to come into California right now and you wanted to manage it correctly and you wanted to fix all the wrongs and you wanted to clean up the streets and stop all the crime, like, you couldn't even do it. You couldn't even do it. There's, there's too many people that are against you. There's too many people that no matter how badly they fail doing it in a certain direction, they're going to keep going in that direction. They're going to double down. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to try, you know, and and now there's so many people leaving California. They're trying to come up with this new tax where if you leave California for the next 10 years, yeah. you still have to somehow pay. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> it's just, it's nonsense. You it's nonsense. You can't do it. No, you it's can't do it. It's not legal, but also criminals like you suck and you know you suck so when people are leaving you're like well we still want money <laughs> no we're leaving because you suck like that's what states are about you get to move to a new state and this state's got different laws i yeah. like this one better bye yeah. that's it we're not we don't have an agreement where I'm, we're not paying alimony i wasn't married to you like yeah we, i gotta go yeah see you later gotta go see you bye yeah 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 figure I, it out i, I get a, the random california letter like are you sure you don't owe us any money like, ah. i haven't lived there in I'm just waiting for my letters. I haven't lived there in a long time, but you know, they probably still want money from me. Uh, it's sad. It's really sad to see a great state just again cave into policies that, hey, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And there are a lot of, I'm sure, well intended people in California, and they have paved a road to hell. So it's, it's, quite sad. So maybe wake up to it. And this idea that if you do make a mistake, you can say, ah, we learned from this. We learned the hard way. We're going to fix it. And a guy like Gavin Newsom, who was so slimy, who is so good at talking that you almost don't notice he's lying to you. Listen very carefully to him. Don't be overwhelmed by the hair, by the teeth, by the by the, you know, cut of his jib, as it were. Yeah, he wants to be in the White House. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. All right. On that note, we're going to have Sage Steele tomorrow. We're going to talk more about all of this uh, stuff about craziness in sports uh, with, with trans women taking spots away from women and a ton of other things. 
we're going to get into this ESPN stuff. The Norby Williamson, boy, did he get thrown under the bus by Pat McAfee. We'll talk about the culture at ESPN that she left and that I once experienced it too. I was there for 10 years? I was there for 10 years. Kind of hard to remember. Anyway, uh, all of that coming up, and then Will Kane's going to join us on Friday. Great to be with you. We'll see you tomorrow.